got trouble, and I got them too. There isn't anything we wouldn't do for you. We stick together, see it through, cause you've got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. It's one of my favorite movies and probably a song that most of us know. You've got a friend in me. As Pastor Adam said, we are talking about friendship today. But first of all, I want to say good morning. It's been great to be in worship together. And uh, my name is Heather Vance, and I'm the Family Ministries Pastor here, which is an honor to be that. And I want to say welcome to those of you who are worshiping with us here in the West Auditorium, also to those of you who are in the East Auditorium, and to those of you worshiping with us online. You've got a friend in me. You got troubles, I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and see it through, because you've got a friend in me. What comes to your mind when you hear the word friendship? Maybe it's some of your best friends from grade school. I have a picture up here of um, some friends of mine from grade school, and I'm the one on the left with my arm awkwardly sticking out. And uh, I have lots of memories with those girls, um, sleepovers at their house and staying up all night and eating all the junk food. Or maybe it's um, some of your friends from junior high or high school. And uh, I did life closely with these girls and lots of memories with them as well. And in fact, the one in the front, um, I hadn't seen her in a lot of years there, the one on the left. And I uh, ran into her this fall at a cross-country meet uh, where her daughter was running and my son was running. So a small world, and it was good to see her. Or maybe when you think of friendship, you think of the teammates that you spent so much time with. And uh, as you can see, I played basketball. This is eighth grade year, and I played in junior high and high school. And uh, interesting story here, I'm actually number 24 on there, if you haven't picked me out yet. And, uh, but some of you may know number five. Number five is Danielle Sider. And Danielle and her husband and little boy um, attend First Christian as well. And as you can see, we went to junior high and also high school together. By the way, she was a fantastic basketball player then, and I believe still now. But uh, kind of a funny story, and then as our, a few years after this picture was taken, our sophomore year in high school, my now husband Jack wanted to give me a note to officially ask me to be his girlfriend, because that's what we did back then. And so Danielle was so excited about this that she wanted to be the one to give me the note. And so Jack said that she could, and so she did, and I said yes, and 28 years later, the rest is history. But who would have thought that 28 years later that Danielle and I would end up at the same church raising our sons with our families um, and still have a connection? Maybe when you think of friendship, you think of friendship bracelets. And uh, maybe you wore these in junior high or high school or you made the colorful bracelets for a friend of yours to wear. And uh, if only we knew how much time we spent making these. And what's interesting is that some of our students today still actually make them. So we've been in a series uh, called Proverbs, The Art of Living Wisely. We have studied the book of Proverbs and talked about the importance of godly wisdom and what it means to live as people who are wise and who follow Jesus. And today we're gonna see what Proverbs has to say about friendship. We talk often about, friends, or excuse me, about relationships in the church. We oftentimes talk about marriage or parenting and we tend to find many resources that have to do with those relationships. Many of us have read a book about marriage or maybe attended a conference or maybe we've read a book about parenting, looking for that manual that we wish came with our kids. Or maybe we've read a self-help book to help us to be a better person. But how many of us have read a book on friendship? We don't have the same resources or the same books when it comes to friends. Yet some of our greatest joys in life are with our friends and some of our friendships can cause us the greatest hurt. 
When preparing for this weekend, I was thinking about how I would manage this with students. It seems to be an easier conversation with them as we know the influence that our kids' friends have on them, good or bad, and so it's a little bit easier to advise them when it comes to their friendships. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We talk to our students about the importance of who they choose to hang out with and spend time with so that the direction of their life can go the best way possible. Their friends have a huge impact on how they spend their time and the decisions they make as kids and teenagers. But what does this look like for us as adults? Is it really much different? Think about the friends that you have in your life. What kind of influence do you have on them? Or how do they influence you? Our friends still have a huge impact on us and who we hang out with does have an effect on us. We become like the people with who we spend the most time. For most of our early lives, our friends were handed to us, whether that was our grade school classmates or our high school sports teammates or even our college roommates. But as the adult years creep in, those friendships tend to fade out. In the early stages of our lives, we are formed most by our family. But the rest of our lives will be shaped mostly by our friends. When you have friends that you do life with, or maybe you go on vacation with them or have them over for dinner, life can be pretty sweet. Some of our greatest memories can be made with our friends. I think about the weeks that I spent at camp um, in the summer as a high school kid and the amount of fun that I had being at the lake or competing as a team or worshiping together. And it was made all sweeter because of sharing it with friends. And those were some life-changing moments for me. As I became a counselor at the same camp, as I became an adult, those sweet moments and fun continued as I served along friend, alongside friends for the week. But some of our greatest sorrows in life come from friends who hurt us or when we seem to be on the outside looking in. It can be hard for us as adults to make friends. Someone once said, we don't make friends as adults like we do when we were kids. When we're kids, you meet somebody, realize you're the same age, and you become friends. Hey, you're six, I'm six, let's hang out. It doesn't quite work that way now. You're 44, I'm 44, we must have lots in common, so let's be friends and hang out. It takes a little more work to make those friendships and to keep those friendships, and people feel the effects of that today. People are more lonely today than ever. There's a study put out by Barna Group, which is a Christian research group that shows 31% of adults report feeling lonely at some point of the day. Loneliness is taking a profound physical, emotional, and social toll in the US. You would think with technology and social media and all the ways that we can connect that we wouldn't be lonely or that we shouldn't be. We are supposed to be the most connected generation, yet we are more lonely and more isolated than previous generations. There's an ache of loneliness and isolation. Technology should help this, yet it actually contributes to the problem. Technology is great at giving us all sorts of acquaintances, but it's not very great at giving us real friends. My husband Jack and I are both on Facebook, and we were sitting one evening on our couch and kind of looking at the friends that we had on Facebook, and there were a few of his friends that I didn't recognize, and so I said, hey, who are those friends that you have on Facebook? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know who they are. He said, well, then why are you friends with them on Facebook if you don't know who they are? But I'm sure he's not alone in that. I'm sure there's a few others who have done the same thing. As I said, technology is great at giving us all sorts of acquaintances, 
but it's not very great of giving us real friends. Yet we know that almost anything bad can be sweet with friends, and almost anything good can be terrible without them. We can't live without friendship. The Bible tells us this about friendship. In Proverbs 18.24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27.9, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. In other words, a friend multiplies joys and divides grief. A friend understands our silence. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world is gone out. A friend is someone who thinks you're a good egg, even though you're a little cracked. A true friend is one who overlooks your failure and tolerates your success. The Bible speaks to us a lot about friendships, and it shows that many of the things that we might struggle with in a 21st century friendship are not new, but have been around for many years. There are many great friendships in the Bible. So we know that we need friends in our lives, and we know that we can be the friend that someone else needs, but what does a good friendship look like? Today we're gonna take the next few moments and look at the friend you are and the friend that you need, and today when we talk about friendship, we're gonna look at two truths about friendship and a warning. Now I recognize there are many more truths and many more warnings about friendship, but today we're gonna look at the first truth, that a good friend is dedicated. As we read, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, the good and the bad. A good friend will be there for you when the chips are down, when you have very little to give to them. To a friend, you are not a means to some end, but cherished for simply being yourself. A friend is loyal and willing to sacrifice for you, putting you, for you first, especially at the times that you need it most. We see a great example of dedication in a friendship in the relationship of Jonathan and David. And their story is found in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel, a thousand years before Jesus came. So about 3,000 years ago. And there are three characters in this story. There's Saul, there's Jonathan, and there's David. Saul is the king of Israel. Jonathan is Saul's son, who should eventually be the king. David was a lowly shepherd boy who actually would be the one who would become king. But before David becomes king, he goes up against a giant named Goliath, and he defeats him. He is then brought before King Saul, and we see what happens next in 1 Samuel chapter 18, where it tells us that after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. This is the essence of friendship, to love one another as you love yourself. Not only this, but Jonathan sacrificed for David, giving away the very items which represented his power and position, giving them to David. King Saul eventually becomes jealous of David and tells his followers to kill him. But Jonathan remained loyal to David, warning him of Saul's intent. Jonathan even rebuked his father and recalled David's faithfulness to him in defeating Goliath. Jonathan and David also shared a close emotional bond and were unafraid of sharing their feelings, weeping when it became clear that David had to leave because Saul was trying to kill him. Jonathan and David 
We're dedicated to each other. We see in Proverbs 20, verse 6, that many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? A godly friend sticks by your side even when times are tough. They stand up for you when it's needed and always speak positively of you. Their desire to help you is genuine and intentional. A godly friendship is also characterized by trust and loyalty, and you know how to keep each other's confidence and will do everything to protect your friends. Even at times when everyone is against your friend, you are willing to stand by their side. We are created to be in community, and that may mean going out of our comfort zone and giving up what we want for the sake of others or for allowing others into our lives. This takes time and intentionality and making our friendships a a priority. Friendship must be deliberate and it must be carefully cultivated, but this can be hard. And yet, 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Let us love others and be dedicated to them as God loves us and is dedicated to us. So we know that our first truth about friendship here is that a good friend is dedicated. Our second truth about friendship is that a good friend encourages us and challenges us. We need people in our lives who will celebrate with us and tell us when we're wrong or we need to change something in our lives. Vulnerability and honesty come along with this, and that can be scary. But friends voluntarily tie their hearts to one another, which allows us to be open and honest. A godly friendship intends to help each person become a better version of themselves. And godly friends will help us grow in our faith and our relationship with God. Maybe this comes through a Bible study or a small group or a book study together. Godly friends will also encourage us to use the talents and abilities that God has given us to serve him and maybe even serve with us. I'm thankful for the friends who have encouraged me in my relationship with Jesus and who have walked with me in my faith journey. I'm also thankful for those friends who have encouraged me to use the abilities and talents that I have for Jesus. I can tell you that I wouldn't be standing before you today if it wasn't for some of those friends telling me that I can do it. Godly friends will pray for us as, and we will pray for them. So we need friends to encourage us, but we also need friends, as scriptures say, that will sharpen us, that will challenge us, that will make us better. We see Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The author was painting a picture back then that would have made a lot of sense. There were people in his culture who spent a lot of time working with metals like iron, and often they'd use iron against iron to sharpen it, to form it into what they were making it to be. That is what friends will do for us. They will make us sharper, they will make us stronger. A wise friend in our life can help us grow into the person we were made to be, and the right friend can encourage us, influence us, support us, and challenge us as we grow in our faith. Friends sharpen and challenge one another, being vulnerable and sensitive to one another, but also giving ideas for how the other should change. Friends can sharpen our understanding of the world and of ourselves. The counsel that our friends can give us is rare and something everyone needs, and sometimes it is sweet and pleasant, sometimes it is sharp and even painful. True friendship is both reassuring and bracing, and it sharpens us the way nothing else does. Sometimes we need truth spoken in in our lives, even when it's difficult to hear, and a friend can do this with gentleness and care. We see this sharpening take place in Galatians chapter two when Paul opposed Peter. Paul and Peter were two of the early Christians, and they were two friends who followed Jesus. 
But we see in Galatians 2.11 that Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. There was this issue of circumcision and whether you should be or not to be acceptable to God. Peter ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But when some of the friends of James came along, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of the criticism he might get from this group. Peter's actions were inconsistent with what he knew to be true, that God accepts Gentiles by faith, not by keeping the law or being circumcised. And Paul called him out on it. Paul wanted to protect the gospel and was willing to confront Peter to defend it. We need people to do that in our lives, and we might need to do that for others. To call us out when we are wrong, to sharpen us, to make us see what is right. In the context of a trusted friendship, we see Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. We need people who will speak the truth and love to us and challenge us when we're wrong. It might be an attitude or something that we say or maybe how we are treating others or maybe we're heading in a direction that is not healthy. I want people who will speak truth in my life. I need accountability. I need people who will tell me when I'm wrong. I need people who will tell me that I need to change my attitude. I need people who will tell me, help me keep my perception of what happens in my life in check, who will help me keep my negative thoughts from taking over. I need people to move me forward in my life and in my relationship with Jesus. I am the family ministry's pastor, and so I have a short clip of some kids giving us some advice and reminding us of what makes a good friend. So please look towards the screens. Um, accepting for who you are and what you're doing every day. If they're kind to you, if you're ever like sad or angry. He's always been there for me to help me. If you're playing the game, you can let them join in. If they don't want to, you can just say, if you want to join in, you can. I think makes a good friend is that they take care of you, and when they, if you fall over, they help you, they pick you up. I think a good friend makes you um, happy and is always lovely to you, and it's always like... Are you a good friend? I actually don't know, but I've got a lot of friends in the class. I love how she says that a friend is lovely to you. Well, we've been in this series in Proverbs, and the book has a lot to say about friendship. And so I've asked one of our students, Abby, to read a collection from Proverbs of what a true friend should be. A true friend shows love no matter what, gives heartfelt advice, bringing joy to the heart, rebukes when necessary, but the correction is done in love. A true friend influences and livens and sharpens. A true friend is loyal and helps in time of need. We've seen the good, our positive side of friendship in our lives, but we also need to remember what the other side of friendship can be. And so here we have a warning. Friendship can have its negative aspects as well. Proverbs 19 verses six and seven say, many curry favor with the ruler and everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts. The poor are shunned by all their relatives. How much more do their friends avoid them? Though the poor pursue them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. This passage of scripture reminds us of the painful truth that some relationships are transactional. 
That is, people seek out other people to get economic, social, or emotional benefits from their relationships. When someone becomes poor and maybe loses their social status, sometimes they are shunned and avoided by their so-called friends. Proverbs 18.24 warns us that one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. We are also warned about friends who can lead us astray spiritually. Paul, as we talked about earlier, who wrote much of the New Testament, tells us that bad company corrupts good character in 1 Corinthians 15.33. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote about the false teachers who had come into the church at Corinth, teaching that the resurrection of Jesus wasn't true. As a result, their immoral outlook on life influenced the rest of the Corinthian believers. Paul was telling them that by associating with false teachers, they would be adversely influenced by them. But it's the same for us today, and this is for all ages. Paul warns us about the people with whom we associate or fellowship. We tend to take on the character of the group with which we spend the most time. We mimic their behaviors, their language, and their habits. If we associate with bad, people of bad character, they may eventually succeed in pulling us down. And Paul warns us about that. He warns us about who we let influence us. Just as I tell our students that the friends in their lives impact them, the friends in our lives impact us as well, sometimes in ways we don't even realize, and this can be good or bad. In a previous uh, youth ministry position that I served in, uh, we had one of our students bring one of her friends to our youth group. And Jamie was super sweet, and she was great, and eventually fit comfortably in our group. Over time, we watched Jamie grow in her faith, and her faith became a deep faith where she followed Jesus closely, and a faith that changed her. Jamie uh, eventually met her husband in our youth group, and they now serve together in ministry. Why did Jamie's faith start to grow? Because her friend invested in her and took the initiative to invite her to a place where Jamie could grow in her faith. Sadly, I've been in student ministry long enough to see the opposite of that happen. I've seen students who are strong in their faith and close in the relationship with Jesus, but the friends they chose took them down a different path. They allowed the influence of those friends to be greater than what they knew to be right. And it's the same for us as adults. I've seen adults walk away from the faith they know because of the influence of those around them and it ends up costing them a lot. I've also seen adults who have a relationship with Jesus simply because a friend told them about him or they invited them to a place where they could hear about him. As people who follow Jesus, we should choose caution in who we allow to influence us, recognizing that we want people who will ultimately help us to be more like Jesus. We all have different levels of friendships, and that's okay. Jesus befriended sinners, but his closest friends were his disciples. We need those people in our lives who will be dedicated to us, who will encourage us, who will challenge us, people who will pray for us as we pray for them, people who will help us move forward in our relationship with Jesus. Let's ask ourselves what this looks like for each friend that we have in our lives. Do we have those friends who are dedicated to us, who encourage us, and who challenge us? Are we that person in someone's life? Do we need to take a step back from the friendships we know aren't healthy in our lives or who might be pushing us away from our relationship with Jesus? Friendships can be the greatest blessing in our lives and also the greatest heartbreak. I recognize there are some of you here who do have great friends who are always there for you and who do encourage you and challenge you. 
I also recognize there are some here who may feel lonely and feel like they have no friends. There are some here who have experienced heartbreak because of a friendship. And there are some who might need to make amends with a broken friendship because of something you said or did. I have friends who are loyal. I have friends who showed up at my door in my darkest moments. I have friends who text me each year on the day that my dad died. I have friends who pray for me, who cry with me, who laugh with me, who hold me up. And these are some great moments and have made for some great memories and sweet times in my life. But I also have friends who in my darkest moments made what they were going through more important, who haven't shown up for me when I needed them, and some who have walked away from our friendship. In those moments, I'm reminded that I have Jesus. Whatever my friendship journey might be, easy or difficult, I have Jesus. Whatever your friendship journey might be, you have Jesus. We have Jesus, and I'm convinced that he is the greatest friend that we could ever have. In the times that I've needed Jesus, he's been there. Late at night as I lay in bed, not being able to sleep because the thoughts in my mind won't shut off, I've been able to give it to Jesus and feel his peace as I close my eyes. John 15, 13 says to us, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus knew you before you were ever born. He knew what you would look like. He knew the unique makeup of your personality. He knew the wonderful things that you would experience and accomplish. He knew your talents and abilities. He knew every burden you would lay at the foot of the cross before he took them all on. In the silent struggles and strongholds, that you face in life, he has compassion for you. And that compassion is incomprehensible. John 15, 14, Jesus says to us, you are my friends. Jesus came to save you, his friend, and he loves you enough to have gone through all the excruciating pain of death on the cross for you. John 15, 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus sees you. He hears you, he knows you, he is always with you, and he loves you. We've heard the truth that a good friend is dedicated to you and also encourages you and challenges you. We've also been warned of how we let others influence us or be a part of our lives. In light of all that we've heard, my prayer is that each of us has those friends who are dedicated and loyal to us and that you and I act as a true friend in someone else's life. You hopefully received a bracelet, a friendship bracelet, as you came in today. And uh, if you didn't receive one, there'll be people that will come up the aisles giving, giving one to you. And if you're online and would you like to have one of those, just let your host know, we'd be happy to mail one to you. And of course, you can uh, adjust the size of your friendship bracelet by moving the knots. And, but as you take this bracelet this week, my prayer is that it would be a reminder to you. You can wear it if you would like. You can put it in your car or maybe on your fridge. But someplace that you'll see it, to be a reminder of the fact that we need community. We need people in our lives, and we need to be intentional in our friendships. 
Or maybe you need to take this bracelet and give it to a friend in your life to remind them that you are that friend that will be dedicated to them, that will encourage them and will challenge them. Or maybe it needs to simply be a reminder of the greatest friend that we have in Jesus. When you feel lonely, he is there with you and he loves you. So what can you do this week to be a good friend? Maybe you need to text someone or call them. Maybe you need to send a card or have lunch with somebody. What can you do to make sure that you have the friend that you need? Maybe you need to respond to the text message that was sent to you. Open your heart. Change your opinion of others. Respond to those who are reaching out to you. Let us, this week, as Jesus says to us in John 15, 12, love each other as I have loved you. We're gonna hear more from God's word and what he has to say about friendship, and so let us hear the word of the Lord together. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness in our lives. And we thank you that you are the greatest friend that we can ever have. And so God, wherever we are in our journey, I pray that you'd help us to remember that we're not alone. In the times that we feel lonely, that we look to you and lean into the friend that you are to us. And God, I, I know many of us have friends that are those friends that are dedicated to us and challenge us and encourage us. And we thank you for the blessing of those friends in our lives. God, help us to be that friend to somebody else. But Lord, I also know that some of us may struggle in our friendships and we don't have those people. And Lord, I pray, God, for those people to have friends to come alongside them. God, we are meant to be in community and so we need each other. God, we thank you that we can come alongside together. God, we thank you that we can follow you as a community of believers who can trust you. And God, we thank you that you are the greatest friend that we can ever have. We are humbled and we are honored by that and we are so thankful. Help us to be the friend that we need to be this week. Help us to be your hands and heart extended, and we love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.